0: The further away you get from God, the more your life is troubled. The closer you get to God, the more your life is troubled transformed the further away you get from god the more your life is troubled the closer you get to god the more your life is transformed today we're looking at spiritual health the first of seven areas of your life and not your whole. i'm not saying your whole life is messed up i'm not saying your whole life needs total alteration maybe you're there but every one of us has some area of our life where we have made decisions we have taken it into our own hands we have made taken some directions and we messed up and there's time to stop time to pull back time to transform and to that end god is very very gracious god is uh, afuna close that door it's very very gracious this weekend we begin part one as we start looking at seven key areas of our life where we want to make change this is not just a sermon this is not just suggestion this is not just counseling this is actual challenge to say you know what Get with God, get on his, uh, on his team, get his strength, get motivated, get decided and do something about it. Our verse that His whole team is built on is Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Let's read it together. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the, let's do that again. Do not conform to, let's do that again. It's been a long time since you were in school, huh? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Loud and clear. Like third standard. Again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not confirmation, but transformation. transformation. Not confirmation, transformation. Okay. The way you think determines the way you feel. The way you think... Are you listening to me? Are you looking at me? The way you think determines how you feel. The way you feel determines how you act. If you want to change something in your life that you don't like, you don't start with your actions. You don't start with the external. You start with your thoughts. Because if you're acting depressed, it's because you're feeling depressed. If you're feeling depressed, it's because you're thinking depressed. If you're acting, feeling angry, it's because you're thinking angry thoughts. It all goes back to the mind, and the mind is the place where Christ wants total rule. Christ, he gives joy and peace to the mind. May you have the mind of Christ. May you be one with him. That's, that's where he speaks his peace and assurance to your mind. To your heart also, but the mind. So the key to transformation starts with your thoughts. You are saying, alright, everybody teaches that, yeah." Every from art of living to to every religion, everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone teaches that. But God thought of it first, and He had it down right from the beginning. And we have gone the other way. We are like, "Oh, you should just go by your feelings, act on your feelings." No, don't act on your feelings, because tomorrow your feelings, you think, "I didn't say that." Your feelings are going to turn on and tell you, "I didn't say that." But you felt like that yesterday. Yeah, that was yesterday. So who told you to do it? Who? Told you? Your feelings are going to quit on you. They're going to ditch you. They're going to turn on you. Feelings are not, not where we go. Who we go by? Transformation changes from emptiness to fullness. Transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness. Transformation changes us from defeat and failure to victory and faith. Transformation changes us from insecurity and inferiority to courage and to boldness. It helps us become all that God wants us to be. God wants you to be transformed. Transformed. Do not be... Do not be conformed. Instead, be transform. Conformation or conforming is from the outside in. Transformation is from the inside out and only God can define that. God can define. So the further you get away from God Who's your creator, who's your designer, the one who speaks life into you, the one who speaks wisdom, who speaks direction into your heart. The further you get away from God, the more troubled your life is going to be. The more trials, the more difficulties, the more stress, the more things are going to go wrong in your life. Because because you're not cooperating with the creator. You're not doing things according to his plan. You're not following God's plan for your life. God's design for your life. For that area of your life. When you misabuse your marriage relationship, you will find trouble, you will find problems there. When you don't find in your relationships in the family, what you're supposed to find in the family, what you don't find in relationships with people, you, you're gonna mess things up. When you don't use your finances properly, you're gonna mess things up. So I'm saying. You get further from God. You get further from God's wisdom. Further from God's design. And then you get into trouble. The Bible says the way of the upright. Unrighteous. Excuse me. The way of the unrighteous is rough. The way of the unrighteous is rough. It's full of thorns. It's difficult. It's a rocky rocky road. So the further away I get from God. The more trouble I am going to have in my life. But the the converse of that is. The closer I get to God. The more my life is going to be changed. Transformed transformed nobody met Jesus and their life wasn't transformed Simon met Jesus said hi and by the time he finished his name was changed to Peter Nicodemus was never the same again Matthew was never the same again nobody was the same again after they met jesus jesus met them and their life was changed the closer you get to god he's gonna change you he's gonna fix you he's gonna fill you with joy if there's a smoke if there's a if there's a smoke on your face he'll just bring humility if there is a uh you know sorrow on your face he'll turn into a smile if there is disorganization in your life he will order your life he will order your inner world no matter what he will come and that's what god wants to do paul was transformed from a religious terror into a loving apostle Isaiah was transformed from a depressed person into a courageous person. Moses stuck with God, got closer, his face shone. We too will be changed with God. We too. Are you with me so far? I'm moving fast because it's the introduction. Okay? And I've got a lot of stuff to cover. It's good stuff. That's why we're taking a lot of time. The Bible says, all we like sheep. How many? All. All All we like sheep have gone astray. (laughs) We each have turned into our own way. I find that interesting. I go to sheep and ask sheep, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know where they're going. And sheep have a tendency to just wander off. That's why they need a shepherd. That's why a shepherds got a staff and a crook. Because the crook kind of brings... They got sheep dogs to bring them back. Because the tendency is to wander off cows and you know buffaloes they're all like yeah he's the guy he's our man we're going with him that fellow there okay but sheep they're wandering off the tendency that's why God calls us sheep tendency is to wander away wander to a distance wander and the further you get away from God the more trouble you're going to have in your life now don't hear what I'm not saying I'm not saying Life away from God is troublesome. I'm not saying that God punishes you for being away from him. I'm saying that he is the one who designed you for fellowship with him. And when you're away from him, he's not going to be there to fix things. That's what I'm saying. So troubles and trials you'll have in your life, but you're on your own. You're on your own. Moving on. So... We, like sheep, tend to wander, tend to go away, tend to become distant. And if I'm not close to God, I don't have that power to make the changes in my life. You know what I'm saying? If I'm not close to him, I don't have that power to make the changes, the transformation matters. So fortunately, there's a story in the Bible that talks about four ways that we can get back to God in case we have wandered off. In case we have wandered off. How far is this wandering? It's not total. Some of you have totally gone far from God. Okay, that's one. That's the big one. Okay. But some of us in certain areas of our life have wandered away from God's plan for that area in our life. God's plan for that area in our life. Are you with me? Some areas. So be honest let, and think about God's uh, rule in your whole life, over your whole life and the story is found in Luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 24 forgive me for running through this, two reasons number one, I'm, I have brevity of time number two, you already know the story okay, for the most part, so I'm flying through this Jesus told a story, a man had two sons how many sons? Yeah. the youngest son told his father give me, underline give me my share of your state now underline now instead of waiting until you die thank you so his father divided his wealth between his two sons a few days later the younger man younger son packed all his belongings and left home to live in a distant land he got as far from the father as he could you beginning to pick up some hints here all right very good there he squandered the gift he had been given and wasted his life and money on wild parties and reckless living Some of your versions will say on wine and women, mostly women. About the time all his money ran out, about the time, at about the same time all the money ran out, a severe famine hit the land. Funny how that happens. Have you noticed that happening? Just about the time that I'm in a trouble spot, you know, all my friends also are having trouble. Just the time when I only need help, they also need help. Why can't they all be doing great when I'm doing bad so that they can help me? Now, everybody has to go down with me. Okay, and I'm not going to get carried away. About that time, a severe famine hit the land and he began to starve because he was left with nothing. The only job he could find was feeding swine on a farm. Swine are pigs, by the way. He became so desperate and hungry that he even, that even the pig slop he was feeding, the swine looked good to him. <sighs> we'll come back to that but underline but no one would give him anything for his hunger no one would give him anything for his hunger when when he finally came to his senses interesting point there he said to himself this is crazy at my father's house even the lowest paid workers eat well while i i'm far underline i'm far away underline away dying of hunger interesting i'm going to return to my father's house he's decided. i'm going to return and i'm going to humbly say he came to his senses father i have sinned against both god and man i am not worthy to be part of this family or called your son but please just make me one of your servants who works for you with that attitude, he decided to head back to his house. But while the son was still far away, the father was looking in the distance and he was waiting and suddenly he saw his son filled with love and compassion. He ran out to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son was ready with his speech. He said, father, I have sinned about managing. I'm no longer worthy to be called, but father, and the father said, quickly, bring the finest robes, bring the, uh, bring the, uh, bring a signet ring and put it on, bring shoes, put it on, and then the roasted calf, Where we bring that? We are going to party. That is basically the passage. (laughs) Done? So the story is these two guys. And one son says... Under dad's roof... I can't be everything I want to be. So... Give me my share. Give me my share. And therein lies your... Typical human spirit your selfish self-centered me my now when you're young you learn three words mom dad my every kid ma dad ma and they know the ma and dad because that's where the okay from the time you're born and he sounds like a baby give me my share give me i want it now and here this rich brat from this jewish family living in the you know posh life with servants and everybody leaves all of that thinking he can have a better life away from his father who's a lavish wealthy owner and goes away to a far distant land starvation hits he's with the pigs a jewish boy rich and powerful is now with pigs You don't even know what that feels like. He's feeding slop to pigs. And then he comes to his senses. One fine morning, you know what? And he comes to his senses. He says, the people in my home, the servants in my home eat better than that. And he comes up with his speech. He comes up with his speech. Four things you're going to learn from this beautiful, beautiful story. You know the story, but here's four things you want to learn. How to get back to God. How to get back, your way to get back to God. Number one, you've got to get fed up. You get fed up. You get fed up. <coughs> uh, are there pens? Because I can see some people trying to lose their nails and they're trying to... <laughs> and some people are trying to take mental note and all. Yeah? Anybody need a pen? These young angels over here are going to get you some pens. Yeah? Okay. Number one is... You get fed up, get fed up. You need to reach that point of frustration. You need to reach that point where, you know what? I'm done with trying to rule that area of my life. That area, this, this, this life of mine, whether it's all up or just one area, I'm done with trying to govern that area. I have made decisions. I have taken choices, made choices. I have screwed up. I have messed up. This is not working. I don't know how to fix this. You got to get to that point. You've got to get to a place where you are at your wit's end with your own governance. Did you hear me? You've got to get there. If you're not there yet, God's just going to wait. He's going to wait until you get there. Because you will. Because you were never meant to be the Lord of your life. Never. That was wrong. You are the wrong person driving the wrong bus. And when you have the wrong person driving the wrong bus, we're not going to get to where we should be. If you are not there yet, he'll send a little rain. And if that doesn't work, he's going to send a storm. Why? Because he loves you because he loves you. He loves you too much to let you stay that way. He loves you too much to let you waste your life. He gave you your life. He gave you your your relationships. He gave you your opportunities. He gave you your nationality. He gave you your health. He gave you your financial uh, opportunities. He gave you everything. He's not going to let you waste your life. He wants you to make the most of yourself, but you and I in our arrogance say, I think that I can be more than I want to be away from my father, he's like, uh-uh, no, you can't. So he's going to send a little rain, then he's going to send a storm because he loves you. He loves you. A lot of the troubles in your life are because of the bad people. There are a lot of troubles in your life because Satan hits your guts. But there are a lot of troubles in your life that God lovingly sends your way to let you hit rock bottom, so that you look up and say, "I'm fed up. I'm fed up." When God wants to get our attention, He'll knock on the door. We don't get it, He'll knock again. You don't get it. He'll knock again, and then he'll blow the door down. God's not like one of us. He's not going to play that game. At the end, of the, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't listen. I came. I came. You didn't listen. I did. No, he's not like one of our parents. Go. Fine. Do what you want. No, he is a father who loves you to the ends of the earth, and he will mess you up with his love. He will mess you up until you are on your knees crying so that he can pick you up and make you everything you want to be because you don't know what's good for you. And that's good parenting, by the way. You don't know what's good for you. I do not know what's good for me. And I have one pathetic small life of 70 to 80 years and he doesn't want me to waste it. So he's not going to waste a day. He's not going to waste a day. He blows your door down. Some of you have been there. You've had your your door blown down. You've lost your job maybe. You've lost your marriage. Maybe you've lost a friend. Maybe you've lost something. Something so tragic, so hurtful, so painful that it is your door being knocked down. Why? Because God does everything he does because he loves you. He doesn't want you to miss him. He doesn't want you to waste your life so the first step in transformation for you to change an area of your life for you to get right for you to fix something is for you to get disgusted get discontent get fed up with the way you've been governing your life in that area you've you figure out you know what i was never meant to do this in the first place i've messed up i resigned from being the director of the universe Until you get to that spot, God's not serious with you. God's not going to get serious with you. And you may make sense of this message 10 years from today. You know, some of you, some of you are hearing this message and you're so blooming proud and arrogant right now because you look, you look good and you feel good and, and people are giving you attention and everything's going fine. And 10 years from today, you're going to remember this. Whatever the case is, God loves you. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else. You think that God is playing that relational game, that he's on Facebook, that he's avoiding you or that he's, you have to run after him or he has to run after you. That you think that every time you avoid him, he'll come running after you like an insecure, stupid teenage boy. Who thinks that that's what he's supposed to do. Like a puppy lapping his, you know, that he's going to come after you. No, he's not going to come after you. I'm telling you, he's not going to come after you. He doesn't know you squat. He's the God of the universe. And he wants you to get serious about your life because it's a gift from him. And one day you're going to stand before him and answer for your days. And for your uh, for your opportunities and for your money and for your relationships. And he wants that you in that day are not going to stand depressed and embarrassed in front of him, but you will be filled with joy. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. God is not going to reveal himself if I just kind of want a flirty sort of a casual relationship with him. On again, off again. I've got to get fed up with the way I'm living and say there's more to life than this. Number two, you've got to own up. You've got to own up. Number one, you've got to get fed up. Number two, you've got to own up. Own up to my sin. Own up to my sin. So he came to his senses and he says, I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to tell him I have sinned against God and against man. When you say I've messed up, you think you've made a mistake. But when you say I've sinned, you're taking responsibility. So that's another way of saying I have sinned. You're saying I, have, I am responsible for the mess of my life. I'm responsible for the mess of my life. When he came to his senses... When he came to a sentence he came to a sense I cannot maintain this This is not sustainable to live without God is insane it's illogical to try and live a life that God has given me without his presence or design in my life that I think that I can go away from the father and get a better life for myself than the father can provide when he came to a census he says I have sinned again so that's stage two that's stage two. First, you gotta fed up. get fed up then you gotta own up I need to face up to the fact that I have not been living God's way. I'm living God's life my way. I'm still trying to control everything. I'm getting tired of holding on to all the balls and juggling them in my hands. I'm about ready to to resign. Because I've noticed it does not work for me. I have sinned. I am responsible. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Especially young people. You've got to get to a point where you say, I'm responsible. You can't go on through life blaming everybody else for your situation it is you and your irresponsibility actions sins that the bible calls that has taken you far from god look at isaiah chapter 59 verse two your sins have separated you from god not your mother not your father not your situations not your not your church not the you know the uh, the the, case, the state of your family not what your opportunities are it is your sins that have separated you from god and have hidden his face from you note has hidden his face from you and it, when you offend somebody or somebody offends you you turn your face away you don't cooperate you leverage your love you pull back you go quiet you unf- unfriend you do all those things and you think that that's fine why because they offended you they're not interested they didn't cooperate yeah it's okay for you why is it okay for god why do you expect god to keep running after us yeah we live how we like do what we like move how we like you know screw up as much as we like and god must keep running after us you said you loved me then come after me this is not a game this is not bollywood god is god and he says i have sinned i come to the conclusion that i have sinned have you ever prayed and felt a million miles away from god it felt like your prayers were bouncing off a ceiling that God is not listening he's not there I can't feel him I can't hear him I can't do it. It's why he is he is he's turned his face away he's turned his face away why it comes from your sin it comes from there is sin in your life sin always comes between people sin always comes between people what is sin sin is loving anything else more than you love God. What is the problem between the two of you when you have a problem with each other? Somebody acted with you in an unloving way and loved something else, someone else, more than you. Uh-uh. 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 Feel it? God says your sin has come you. have chosen to love something else more than you've chosen to love me. And when God seems distant, guess who moved? You move away by giving your love to something else. And there's a word in the Bible for that. It's called an idol. It's called an idol. Anything you love more more than God becomes an idol in your life. And the first and second commandment says, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any other false idols. An idol is not just a statue or a figurine. An idol is success. An idol is a crush. An idol is a person. An idol is a revenge. An idol is a wrong purpose in your life an idol it could be money it could be a game an idol could be anything that begins to take more of your attention and then thereby rule your life an idol is something that doesn't have that place in your life it shouldn't have it is not deserving to have that first place in your life so what do you do you own up you own up you own up to your sins. you know what lord there is something in my life and because of that i think we're distant i think we need to clear something up My friends, my brothers, my sisters, you are as close to God as you choose to be. You are as close to God as you choose to be. However, close you are to God right now, it was your choice. That was your doing, it's in your control. God is there. God is with you. God is for you. God is not against you. God is present. God is loving. God is gracious. God is forgiving. God has got everything going to make you okay. Whatever you could have possibly offended him before, he created a situation for that beforehand itself so that nothing will come between him and you. But from your side, so you can't really blame anybody else. If my husband was a little bit more godly, if my wife was on more on fire, if my church was a little bit more alive, if our worship team was better, if this was that, if that was this. If, you, if you're ineffective, if you're unfruitful, if you are unfaithful, it's, it's you. It's you. This is not a condemnation story. This is a reality check. It's a reality check. There's always good news at the end, but it's a reality check. But don't say it's somebody else's fault. Especially young people, let me appeal to you. Don't grow up thinking that everything happens in your life is somebody else's fault. (laughs) That your relationship is someone else's fault. Your money situation is someone else's fault. You grow up in your life blaming everybody else without taking responsibility for yourself. And then the world is not going to cooperate with you in the end. You will go through a very disillusioned life. If my job would allow me time off, I'd be at church more. If my my church were closer, I'd be at the prayer meeting. If my church was any more caring, then I'd be a lot more involved. Oh, rubbish. Rubbish, come on. Come on. You are as close to God as you choose to be. The fact is you're not desperate enough you're not desperate enough god is not going to play games with you you need him he doesn't need you you and i need him more than anything else like you need air to breathe you need god if i was to hold your head underwater and wait for a little while until the bubbles stop then you would find the strength to pick my arm off you and come up for air at that point god begins to take you seriously Is God playing hard to get no God gave you everything on the cross 2016 years ago and then after that when you start leveraging and bargaining that's when he says you know what you're on your own meet me when you're ready this is some serious stuff and the end of a, a message like this don't walk away saying oh that was harsh make a decision make a decision take God at his word and be transformed Be transformed when you're that desperate and you don't get fed up and you own up. When you get fed up and you own up, you say, I've got to know God. When you realize your sin and you and your God has taken you far from God, you come to God and your verse says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful because of your constant love, because of your great mercy. Wipe away my sin. Wipe away my sin. Wash away all my evil and make me clean. Underline, I recognize my faults. I recognize my faults. And underline again, I am conscious that I have sinned against you. That's a smart guy right there. That's, that's a guy who's going to get his, his life changed. I recognize my fault. So what, so what does God respond to you like? What's his response when you own up and when you face up to your to your wrongs, to your sins, to your responsibility for your life? What's God say? He says, no matter how deep the stain of sin is, no, no, no matter how deep the stain of your sins, what does it say? I can, it. I can remove it. I can remove it. Stains. If you if you go to a North Indian family's home, especially North Indian, you go to the kitchen, oh, all the plastic dibbies are all yellow, 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 yellow. The cupboard is yellow, yellow, yellow. And the bottom of the yellow, black and yellow, and then the whole stove is yellow and the cooker is yellow, her hands are yellow. Stains. As soon as something falls on your on your shirt, immediately take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Why? Because you don't want it to go deep. Because these stains, you know, they go deep. But it works well when you're marinating chicken. When you marinating chicken, you want to do that overnight, and it goes all the way in. And you say, "What lovely food! It, this the flavor is gone all the way through." Yeah, stains go deep, and sin stains go deep. And God is saying, "This is the muster muscle verse of the Bible." God is saying, "I can remove the stains so much." Kika, look at what He says. He says, "I can make you as clean as freshly fallen." snow. Let me put it another way. I can make you feel so innocent like you can't remember you sinned. I can make you feel so clean and innocent again like you can't remember you sinned. That's the response God has for you when you own up, when you own up so you have to have this spiritual checkup the habit of a spiritual checkup people keep telling me you know you need to go for that executive checkup check your sugar, check your blood pressure check your hair, all that (laughs) you got to go for that why? why do you go for a checkup? why do you go for a checkup? because you're telling the doctor if anything is going to go wrong I want to know now if anything is going to go wrong I want to know now That's what we do checkups for. You don't want to go to the doctor when the tumor is coming out your nose. You want to go to the doctor before there's any sign, when there's like a hint, when there's like a suggestion of a tumor. You want to go there early. Engineers, they take a tuning fork and they look for a bridge, on a bridge, they look for hairline fractures. They don't wait for the thing to have a big crack and then then they put one stick under it. They look for hairline fractures. You know what a hairline fracture is? You can't even see it. It's as thin as a hair. But the, but the engineer picks it up because that's a possible calamity right there. A hairline fracture. So you've got this engineer on his knees with a tuning fork. You know what a tuning fork is? You remember that from the uh, uh, physics class? The tuning fork. And he's going you know, to... The entire bridge! The entire bridge! Our man is on his knees... You think, I don't know what the guy is doing over there. Everybody's driving past, walking past, and he's like, and that guy just saved a few thousand lives because he found a hairline fracture. Where there's a hairline fracture, that'll be out of tune. It'll be out of tune. Test yourself to make yourself solid in your faith, the Bible says. Don't drift along, taking everything for granted. Give yourself re- regular checkups. If you fail the test, do something about it. That was not my words, it's in the Bible, there. <laughs> Psalm chapter 139, search me, O God, and know my kidney. <laughs> search me, O God, and know my... Ah, tuning, tuning. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That heart business, my dear friends, that's the first place you get to know you are wandering off. That gimme my, you know that gimme my, it starts here. It starts here. Before the fashion and the forever 21 and all that. It starts right here. I remember when I used to take my bike, those years when I could balance a bike many many years ago you know I tried at Kawasaki Bajaj and all that. I'll take it to, to the mechanic almost every other day and <coughs> and he would just and he will put his head all the way down over there. I thought he was looking at my pants but he was just listening to. <laughs> <laughs> he was just listening to the the sound of my engine and the piston. He just take a good listen and then he'll get up and say, anyway, I'll take that thing. If it's a boring, I'm boring. (laughs) I'm like, seriously, every three days I need to get boring done. But he knew just from listening. You go to God on a daily basis and say, wipe my sin clean wipe my sin clean you say be merciful to me wash away you do that on a daily basis nothing's going to come between you and god god's going to be filling you with strength god's going to be filling you with with wisdom and understanding and power to make changes before it happens before things go wrong he can keep you on the straight and narrow and he will give you the joy and the boldness to stay there so that people are not going to smirk at you and say holy 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 yeah holy holy How's it down there? You've got to get to that point. I want you to get to that point. I pray for you to get to that point. 1 Corinthians 11, a man ought to examine himself. Live the examined life. Live the the life that is well examined. Okay? So you get fed up, then you own up, own up. And then when you come back to God, when you come back to God, you offer up. You offer up. You offer up your life. You offer up yourself. You offer up your total being to God. Because nothing less counts. Nothing less matters. Because when Jesus gave himself to you, blood and water flowed. Medically, that means he gave you absolutely everything. He hung there and gave you absolutely everything. They didn't even bother breaking his bones because he is completely dead in no time. And he gave up the ghost and he screamed out all the way to heaven. I paid it! He said, Tetelestai, which means paid in full. I paid it! Bill paid! And that sound resounded all the way to heaven and will keep resounding on the day you step into heaven and you'll get a warm welcome in because of that sound of the words, I paid it. I paid it. Jesus paid for every sin of yours and he's taken it up. So you say, wow, I offer up myself to you. I offer up myself. That is the correct response. Go back to verse 12. Verse 12, uh, the man drifted away from the father saying, Give me my share. And look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. He returns to the father and he says, Make me your servant. Give me my share. Make me your servant. That, my brothers and sisters, is transformation. That is transformation. From a self-serving, self-seeking, self-indulgent, self-ruling person to one who wants to serve the purposes of God by the will of God, by the power of God. I am not fit to be a son. Just make me a servant. That transformation doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take an entire life and he's going to work on you. It's not never instant, but God begins with that decision you make. 2 Corinthians thirty three verse 18 says, we reflect the, lo- the Lord's glory, we reflect, become more like the Lord Jesus, and are being transformed into his likeness. Underline that word, being transformed. Present? Present? Continuous. Present, continuous. Being transformed. You know what that word is? Where that word comes from? It comes from the word "metamorphoo." Does that sound familiar? Metamorphosis. When the pupa... In the chrysalis. is sitting there. Ugly as ever. You know like when the babies come out first. And you're like, yeah, Put it back, put it back. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> it's not done yet. The chrysalis, the pupa is just sitting there. And suddenly when the time is right. Boom. And no two butterflies look the same. They are perfect. That is the transformation. That is the transformation. We reflect the glory of God and are being changed being changed so he says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 offer yourselves as a living son no no transformation happens until you offer yourself no transformation happens until you offer He says you bring yourself up to God and say you offer yourself and Luke 20 verse Luke 15 verse 20 and 22 says filled with love and compassion the father ran out to him threw his arms around him kissed him and he says bring the best out bring the best out when you offer yourself up to God you come back to celebration not condemnation you come back to celebration not condemnation when you come back to God, God has a party waiting to happen so you come and offer yourself to God, maybe that's what you need to do today and maybe that's where you're at today, when you come to God and you say the party happening because you offered up because you you, number one number one fed up, number two number 3 when you do that and you come to god and you find a party happening you're able to lift up you're able to lift up your praise you're able to say thank you god thank you for your grace thank you for your love you start living based on grace rather than on goodwill you start living based on the mercy of god rather than the moment you start living based on what god has done for you rather than what you have to do for god Thank you for your goodness. I lift my praise up. He says, we're going to celebrate. Come on, bring out the best things. Let's party. My son is home. That's the celebration heaven's waiting for to have when you come or when when people change. Uh, Psalm 68 says, sing to the Lord, sing praises unto him. Lift up a song to him. There you go, lift up. Lift up a song, lift up praise. The father celebrated. There was no condemnation when the son came back. God is expecting you to come back to a party when Jesus took the communion remember the first communion last supper and he took the wine and he took the bread he broke it and he gave thanks we call that the Eucharista Eucharist Eucharist means giving thanks Jesus loves you so much that he left two symbols left for you so that you'll remember how much he loves you he lives baptism so that we are one we're one you identify with me you go down to the thing like I died and you come out and we identify with each other tell the whole world that you belong to me that's baptism and number two he says every time you pick up this cup remember it's a new covenant in my blood every time you break this bread remember I was broken for you and he left that and he says when you do that you're thanking God for his mercy you're living based on a grace you're living out of gratitude out of gratitude. A believer, a follower of Christ is called to live based on what God has done for you. An unbeliever lives based on what God is going to do, what he wants God to do for him. But a believer bases his life on what God has already done for him. You become a grateful song. Your life becomes a song of worship.